Hi friends, this is Khaled Bendor from Jerusalem and I'm making this recording on Sunday evening and in many ways it's uh, a topical chapter, chapter 27 and later chapter 28. I think that regardless of one's political position there's a feeling uh, amongst both right and left, if left exists, in Israel, a feeling amongst both right uh, and centre-left that uh, a wrong, in inverted commas, decision, a wrong decision could spell disaster for uh, the country many of us feel so close to and love. And it's interesting to look at these chapters because in these chapters there's also a very, very important decision, geopolitical decision, that needs to be made where uh, the wrong one could spell, in fact, does spell disaster for um, any sort of sovereign presence in the land. So we begin our chapter, Kafzain 27, um, which is in many ways a two-parter with uh, chapter 28, um, in describing a regional conference. It's intended to discuss potentially rebelling against Bavel with Egypt's help. The first verse tells us that it begins in the first year of the reign of Jehoiakim. But from later verses, it seems clear that the story of our chapter, in fact, takes place during the reign of King Zedekiah. Zedekiah is the third son of the former King Josiah. One of the other sons is Jehoiachaz. As we learnt, he reigned for three months before being carried off to Egypt in chains. And he's succeeded by Jehoiakim, who is forced to take a pro-Egyptian direction. And when Bavel becomes more powerful, Nebuchadnezzar exiles Jehoiakim's son, Jehoniah, to Babylon in 597, along with the elites of Judah, priests, nobles, scribes, army officers. And as exiles go, it's, it's actually not such a bad one. The community settles in Bavel, and become so comfortable, most don't want to return when they have the chance. And in fact, Mordechai and Esther of the Purim story are descendants of these exiles. And after exiling Yechonia, Nebuchadnezzar replaces him with someone he hopes will be a vassal to Babylon, namely Yechonia's uncle, who happens to be Josiah's third son, Zedekiah. Now, you'd have thought that after everything that has happened, the kingdom of Judah would have learnt its lesson. Bavel is powerful. It's already exiled many of the kingdom's inhabitants. There's a pro-Babylonian king on the throne. Just let it be. This is certainly Jeremiah's argument. But Zedekiah is under pressure from factions inside the kingdom who want to rebel. And within the region too, there are nations who feel that if they ally together with Egypt, they can throw off the yoke of Bavel. And so we have it that around 594 or 593 BCE, representatives from Judah, Edom, Moab and Ammon, located to Judah's east, and Tyre and Sidon, located to the north, meet in Jerusalem to plot. 
And while they may be tempted to try and rebel against Babel, God has a message for them through Yirmiyahu. So says God, make for yourself bands and bars and put them on your neck and send them to the king of Edom and to the king of Moab and to the king of the children of Ammon and to the king of Tyre and to the king of Sidon by the hand of the messengers that come to Jerusalem to Zedekiah, king of Judah. And this is what Jeremiah is told to say to them. Anochi asiti et ha'aretz et ha'adam ve'et ha'behema asher al pnei ha'aretz. Bechochi ha'gadol u'vizroa netuya u'netatiha la'asher yashar be'enai. I have made the earth, the man and the beast that are upon the face of the earth, by my great power and by my outstretched arm, and I give it to whom it seems right to me. Va'ata anochi netati et kol ha'aretzot ha'ele, ביד נבוקנצר מלך בבל עבדי, וגם את חיית הסדר נתתי לו לעבדו. And now have I given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, which, by the way, is an amazing phrase, Nebuchadnezzar, my servant, and the beasts of the field also have I given him to serve him. We'll learn more about the regional conference in the next chapter. But Jeremiah's warning actually has echoes in the first Rashi on the Torah. In a somewhat famous passage, Rashi asks why the Torah starts with the story of creation rather than the first mitzvah. He answers that, so that if the nations of the world will say to Israel, you are bandits, for you conquered the lands of the seven nations, Israel will say to them, the whole earth belongs to the Holy One, blessed be he. He created it and he gave it to the one who found proper in his eyes. By his wish, he gave it to them. And by his wish, he took it from them and gave it to us. Now, I'm personally not convinced this soundbite has ever worked well in diplomatic negotiations. But all too often, I've heard this used in a maximalist way that the Jewish people deserve the land of Israel because God, because God gave it to them. Simple as that. But a more accurate reading fits in with the context in our chapter and the book as a whole. God can give the land to whomever he wants. If we behave, keep the mitzvot and the values of tzedek u mishpat, we will stay. And if we don't, the land will vomit us out we will be exiled. Connection to the land depends on behavior, not ethnicity. And unfortunately, as we have read, decades of behavior in the kingdom point in only one direction, and it's not a good one. More tomorrow.